Good morning, good afternoon. Welcome to Grapevine Ministries. My name is Phil Barker, and today we'll be speaking about the Word of God, covering everything from Genesis to Revelation. And I hope and pray that you enjoy these sermons, and I look forward to hearing from you comments about the messages that we bring forth. This is... uh part one of a seven-part series, and what we're going to be talking about today is this is in relation to my healing that God gave me. But we want to start with I Want My People Well, is the title of this one. Because when we look at things from the right perspective, it gives us a better understanding, and my purpose for this seven-part series is to really focus on people that are actually going through challenges in their life in relation to their healing and how they can actually be set free from that. I basically thought myself as just an ordinary guy, one of those guys who had a history but pretty much normal guy. I grew up in a large family of seven and I spent most of my time living in the country region of South Australia. Both my mum and dad, they worked full time, so we were raised by our adopted family, the Maliras. They were full-blooded Aboriginals uh, living up near Woomera. And so we got taught some things about the land and that most city folk would really not even know too much about at all. This would become a great advantage to me later in life, But at that point in time, I didn't really see it as having any point whatsoever because, you know, eventually we'd end up in the city and we'd be doing our own thing. So what did I really need to know about this? Both my parents uh, were ex-military, so I always learnt to shoot and trap and do all the things that uh, most kids do in the country. And these skills prepared me for another journey that I was soon to embark on when I joined the military. So it became a bit of a family tradition. Both my older brothers joined the services, one in the Navy and one in the Air Force. So when it came to my turn, I walked out of school straight into the Army. And later on, my, my youngest sister, she also joined the tradition of serving our country. Four out of five, that's not bad, all ended up in the services. This I found out was not such a good idea, but as a young boy, you don't always follow the news or read about other stages of things that are going on in your life and you try and remain oblivious to those things. But it was what it was. Basically, most of the time, I was just doing my own thing. But it came a time when I had to make a decision and I had to decide what I was going to do. So it was a it was a very interesting time for me to say the least. Uh, it would actually enable me to head into things that I'd never thought, you know, were possible and I didn't think people could do those sort of things to another human being. And the, the ironic part about this is that eventually it would lead me to God. 
I found myself deep in the jungles and surrounded by the enemy. As a recon unit, we were tasked to check out the enemy movements and upon the completion of our patrol, we were given two extraction points. Everything seemed to go according to plan and as we prepared to depart out to our primary position, I just had this strange feeling in in the pit of my stomach. I become extremely agitated and I had this strong desire not to actually go there and I wanted to go to our secondary point. My team, however, they weren't overly excited about this because, you know, normally when you have a primary and a secondary extraction point after an exercise, one of them's nice and easy and one of them's not so easy. But because we had uh, what we call a radio blackout period, I had to make the decision. And it came to the stage where I had to pull rank on them. And I said, listen, I said, I don't know why. I said, uh, but we need to get back to the camp safely. This is my responsibility. So I'm taking the secondary extraction point. So as, as it turns out, this was one of the best decisions that I actually made. Unbeknown to us, the enemy had overrun uh, the primary position that we were going to, and if we had have gone into that valley, we would have walked straight into an ambush, and we would have either been killed or captured. So with that near-death experience, and dodging a bullet, so to speak, I found it uh, quite interesting uh, that when I would actually leave the military, I go back into civilian life and nothing would be what I expected it to be. I found it difficult to assimilate into civilization. I found myself hiding in the outback. I went back to where I was as a child. Up the other side of Woomera, I was on a big sheep station and I was actually overlooking um, a massive big property there. But the only people I had to contend with were 15,000 sheep. And that was the way I liked it back then. It was nice and easy and simple. The trauma of that military conflict and the fact that I had served caused me to believe that I was on borrowed time. So alcohol, women, martial arts... There's all the things that I believed would be a solution for me, but still unaware that God had other ideas and he knew my heart. Even though my actions were so far away from God, so I went about life knocking on hell's door, as one would say. But as I went through my life on self-destruct mode, God put somebody across my path that is now my wife for some 35 years. Maria was to become my guardian angel. But what I saw in her was not what God was showing me. It was what the world was showing me. I only saw her at that time in my life as another conquest. A conquest that never came to pass as I started courting Maria 
and behaved as a perfect gentleman. This, at the particular time, was very, very unbecoming of me and totally out of character. I would get to know her as the most precious gem in the world, and 14 months later, she would become my wife. That, my friends, was the last thing on my mind. Just remember, even in the world, things are not always what they appear to be. Coming from a very strong a European background, with very strict Catholic principles, I soon found myself in that very unfamiliar place. I knew as church, somehow, somewhere, I had not been in over 30 years. And I started thinking to myself, is this what I am meant to be doing? First thought, no. Get out of there, feel as fast as you can. It's not the place for you. But strangely enough, I was surprised that the roof didn't collapse on the, on the church the first time I went in there. Isn't it odd the way that we perceive things? I remember Maria telling me that marrying her would mean that I would have to be at church and any children that we had would have to be brought up in a Catholic school. And that was exactly what happened. But still, something that I was still unaware of, that God was still working on this rough diamond. He was chipping away at me and polishing me and bringing me into alignment to where he wanted me. And I soon started questioning the lifestyle that I found myself in. I could not accept this type of relationship with someone that I knew was to be the creator of all things and the person that we were supposed to go to in our time of need. I began to question everything about it. Slowly but surely, this was something that was going to be a blessing rather than a curse. Because I hadn't told Maria about my time in the military. How do you how do you start that conversation? How do you actually tell someone that you've been in a you know, godless place and surrounded by death and mayhem for such a long period of time. I was always worried that she would actually see me as somebody different and not the person that I really wanted to be. But unfortunately, when you try to keep secrets... They'll come and bite you in the bottom, so to speak. I remember we were at this uh, new shopping complex. Uh, it was one of those ones. I'm probably showing my age now, but I mean, those are those when they started those big shopping complexes that had the really big tall aisles and you sort of like walk up and down to try and find what you want. And this was in the uh, in the suburb of Port Adelaide. It's a older suburb of Adelaide. And, but I didn't. I was oblivious to the fact that a very large contingency of Vietnamese people lived in there. Thinking that I was fine and it didn't bother me, but when I was walking through there, and all I could hear was them speaking in their native tongue, it just brought me straight back to the jungle. And I actually started having a panic attack. 
and I was really, really starting to fall apart. And I, I just turned around to my wife. I said, get me out of here. I've got to get out. I've got to get out. And I got outside, and I wasn't any better. So she called an ambulance. When the ambulance officers got there, one of them just happened to be an ex-vet. And he actually asked how long it had been since I was suffering PTSD. And she goes, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, I'm telling you, your husband has seen combat. He's having major panic attack, and that's related to this. And she said, no, 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 no. He, he was in the army, but only for a little while. I'm pretty sure that didn't happen. So they took me off to hospital, and uh, I found myself in a situation where I had to actually explain my actions very hard when you're looking into the eyes of the person you love and they're looking back at you not knowing who you are and what you've done and what you're capable of. So the thing is, don't do that. Don't be stupid like me. I know it sounds ridiculous, but some things that you've done wrong in your life actually turn out to be good things in your life. We continue to um, you know, live our life as normal as we could, and we got on with it the best we could, and we were doing things. But all of a sudden, I started becoming very unill very unwell indeed and I had a few complications and things started to go wrong I'll probably go into this in depth later but the point that I'm trying to make here is I'm trying to build a foundation for you the word of God Jesus talks about him being the cornerstone and he's going to build his church but you need a solid foundation so I'm trying to give you that foundation right now and let you have a better understanding of where I was at. The long and the short of it was that I ended up very ill and, and in hospital, and I actually had to have a lot of surgery, and the end result was that I ended up paralysed and in a wheelchair. I hope you're enjoying today's message. Thanks for tuning in. I'm praying for you today as you spend time in the Word that your faith continues to grow and strengthen. Grapevine Ministries relies on the support of listeners like you. Your generosity helps us continue spreading the Word and making a positive impact. You can visit our website at grapevineministries.buzzsprout.com or follow the links in my bio if you feel led to give. You can also support this ministry by subscribing and sharing this episode. And now, without further delay, let's jump back into the Word of God. Joel Olstein says that uh, what we focus on, we magnify. 
we're not changing its actual size, we're just simply making it bigger in our own minds. And he went on further to say that harping on the negative news and the bad circumstances only makes the issues bigger than they really are. It changes your perception. You can take a small coin if you hold it up close enough to your eye, eventually it will block out the sun. Even though it's billions and trillions of times smaller than the sun, because you've got it so close, it's distorting your perspective. Quit meditating on what is wrong. With all the things that are going wrong in my life, the first thought that I had is that my past was coming back to haunt me. And everything that I'd done in my past was now being manifested in this moment. And the reason I was sick, and the reason something was wrong with me was because of what I'd done when I was in the military and when I was younger. So if you look at the negative med medical reports, you try and analyze it yourself. This was the wrong thing to do. I'm actually trying to work out why I'm sick. But Maria had a different perspective from this. She thought that I had to focus on God and what he said about the situation. God is love. God sent his son Jesus to the cross. He sent him to the cross so that we could live a long and prosperous life. He took all of our sickness, all our disease, all our pain, all our suffering upon the cross. And he did that so that we didn't have to suffer. But what do we do? As soon as something goes wrong, the first person we blame is him. It doesn't matter what our relationship is. It doesn't matter where our circumstances are. It's got to be God's fault because it doesn't matter whether you believe or whether you don't believe. The fact remains that he is, from our most normal perspective, out there and, you know, so we can blame him. We don't need to blame him. We need to understand that everything that is good, everything that is loving comes from God. And he wants us well. I looked at it this way. Why would we have a God that sent his son to earth to walk around praying for the sick, healing those, raising people from the dead, doing good with everybody that he came across. Why would he do that and then decide he's going to hand out in the next round sickness and disease? From what I understand, that's not the God that I'm aware of. Why would he give us something and then 
take it away. Or better still, why would he purposely make us sick just so he could heal us? It's a matter of perspective. We need to look at how we're doing things. I'm trying to tell you people that God wants you healed. God wants you whole. God wants you to be complete. And the only way that we can do that is if we look at the Word of God and what it says. Healing, prosperity, that's all it talks about. God sent His Son so that we could live the life that we live today. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not dismay, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. If you are obedient to me and trust in me, I will raise you up and you will do what I have called you to do. God wants a relationship with us. He wants to give people a miracle. So what is a miracle? How do you define a miracle? Well, actually, basically, if you look at it in the dictionary, it says this. A miracle is an unexpected event attributed to divine intervention. Sometimes an event is also attributed to a miracle worker, saint, or religious leader. A miracle is sometimes thought of as a perceivable interruption of the law of nature. Others suggest that God may work with the laws of nature to perform what people perceive as a miracle. I am sure many of you have uh, have heard of some kind of supernatural activity. He has shown himself to you in some way at some dramatic time in your life. Going back to when I was in Southeast Asia, I believe that that was God giving me a little nudge. He knew that he had other things planned for me, that I'd be doing podcasts. Who would have thought I'd be doing something like this? But this is a way that I can reach far more people than just going from church to church. I want every single person to come to that understanding and that knowledge that God wants you healed. God wants you well. God wants you walking with him. So I'm going to take the opportunity to spend as much time behind this microphone as I possibly can and hopefully you will get something out of this. God is good. All the time and all the time God is good. So in closing, I just want to say one final thing. Irrespective of what situation you're in, where you're at, what's going on in your life, what sort of cards you have been dealt, 
that is not the end of your story. It is only a bump in the road. I look at it this way. If you've ever seen a BP monitor in a hospital and, and it's you know the lines are going up and down, up and down. Well, that's what happens in our lives. We sometimes are on the high levels and sometimes we're on the low levels. But the reality of the fact is that if we try, stay true to the course and put God first and foremost in everything we say and everything we do, then he's got our back. I believe in divine healing. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ dwells within me. And I am proof that anything is possible. And he's no respecter of persons. I'm not exactly the most loving, caring, godly, walking man on this planet. And in some aspects, there are some people out there that know far, far more about the Word of God than I do. But I have one unique advantage over them. I've experienced a miraculous healing in my body. God raising me up out of the wheelchair when even the doctors and the specialists could not explain what had actually happened. And irrespective of my past and what I've done and what I'm likely to do, I know that God wants me to bring this message. He wants you healed. He wants you whole. He wants you restored. So please, just take a moment and listen to these. Because from time to time, I'll be putting on another section of this and I'll go into great depth about what actually happened in my life and how I got to be where I am right now. Speaking to you through this podcast. God bless and have a lovely day. Thanks for listening today to Grapevine Ministries with me, Phil Barker. If you enjoy this message, I encourage you to share it with someone and discuss it with a friend. Faith is better in community. You can also join in the conversation in our online community via the link in my bio or email me direct at grapevineministries155 at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to be notified when my next message is released. See you next time.